And here we go. That's right, you're back in Red's line. And I think we're all going to have to go to the doctor and get a prescription for some kind of antidepressants because this game, as I've said before, David Bell, you have managed to claw and scratch and do everything you can to grab a defeat out of the jaws of victory. I mean, how can you manage this any worse? David Bell, you don't have to pinch hit for your, all your positional players. And another thing, that was the second thing I wanted to say. David Bell, you used Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett, and Jared Hughes and never pinched hit for one of those guys. I apologize, Reds Nation, but this guy, David Bell, has got to be stopped. Last night, I said it. He used like five relievers tonight. It's got to be at least five. It is insane. Let me count them. Six relievers. And then the third thing, it, this is almost like the bad things list at the beginning of the show. The third thing was that he just used Cell Glacius last night for two innings. And what's his answer? To use him again tonight in the 10th. You can't even make it up. I apologize. I could understand if you had a lead and we're going to be kind of desperation mode using him. But this is a tie game, David Bell. Front office, this is the reason you don't hire two rookie managers in a row. And another thing, you got Freddie Benavides as your bench coach. He's never been a manager, and you got him as your bench coach. So he has no control over anything, which I'm not saying the bench coach controls anything. The manager is the manager. But it might be nice to have a guy there, you know, to rely on to be like, hey, you know what, let's look at these uh, – the bullpen and how many days and the usage and, and who needs a day off. The entire spring training, the media kept saying, the water-carrying media that doesn't ask hard questions, they kept saying, whoa, David Bell's going to not have any any roles for the bullpen. This, um, this bullpen, who whatever the situation calls for it, that's who's going in. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? This game has been played how many years? Wait, you should already know that. 150 in Cincinnati. And you know what? There's kind of a quasi-moto little, not quasi-moto. There's kind of a quasi-little strategy to this game. And what I would like to say is, what do I want to say? I'm so lost. I'm so discombobulated by David Bell. What was I on? What was I going to say? I said Quasimodo. I'm so. I am so. I don't even know where to say. I don't know what to say after so. It's almost like ho 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 Santa Claus. Except I'm saying so so so. David Bell, you got me cornered. I can't even track my thoughts here. Anyways. So what should we say? David Bell, you don't know what you're doing, and I don't have a problem with you being the manager. 
I think if you had a veteran, grizzled bench coach that knows what he's doing, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This front office really doesn't have a clue what they're doing. They have let Brian Price and now David Bell go out there with no help whatsoever. It's why you never had a good pitching coach under Brian Price. It's why you never had a good hitting coach under Brian Price. These guys are picking up Don Long, who was the Pittsburgh Pirates hitting coach when they were 65 and 97 or whatever. That's the last time he had a job, 08-09 Pirates. That was the hitting coach under David Bell. Now, I understand David or Brian Price get them mixed up, both rookie managers. So I understand that Brian Price brought in Derek Johnson, and I understand that Brian Price brought in Turner Ward. So that's uh, honestly, that's great. But I want to go forward. What was that? I want to go forward. See what you've done to me, David Bell? I'm a walkie-talkie time bomb. Anyways, so this front office has literally handicapped, and I will use Brian Price. Winning in Cincinnati is like trying to piss up a rope. Brian Price said it, and everybody gave him a hard time. I actually liked him after his like 57 F-bomb going off, but I liked him more is what I want to say because he actually stood up for himself, and he actually told a little bit of truth. But David Bell, while he does have Turner Ward and he does have uh, Derek Johnson. Derek Johnson has only been with the Brewers two or three years. He came from Vanderbilt. So it's not like he has a long, long, long history of uh, being in the majors. And I'm not knocking Derek Johnson at all. Please don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying as far as uh, around David Bell, people to lean on. Derek Johnson is doing a great job. Uh, the team's ERA was like second in the uh, National League, or starters were second in the National League for a long time. Anyways, to make a longer story short, which I always say, uh, just look at Brian. You got to look at Brian Price, and you got to look at how he never really got to bring any of his own guys because this front office, as Walt Jockety has done by promoting himself, and Dick Williams has done by promoting himself, has insulated themselves from any blame, any responsibility, and that's where they're not bringing in guys to help David uh, or Brian Price. They never brought anybody in. It was always a yes man. Cam Bonifay was the Pittsburgh GM that ran that franchise in the ground. He's actually a paid advisor for the Reds on Castellini's payroll. Bob Castellini, if you're listening, you need to fire Cam Bonifay. Guy has no clue what he's doing. He's an ancient dinosaur, and I don't even mean a good in a good way. I'm talking about that guy ran the Pittsburgh Pirates franchise into the ground, and that's how you got Don Long as a hitting coach who really didn't do anything for any of your players. I don't care what you say. Horrible hitting coach. Back to this. So the front office has literally not done anything to help either manager. I mean, I mean, I'm even giving some shade to David Bell. Like, does that even show you, Reds Nation, what's going on here? Like... David Bell is not only to fault, he's really bad at his job as far as making, well, (laughs) David Bell, I'm sorry. You are really bad at making out lineups, and you're really bad at using your bullpen. (laughs) I can't even, 
I'm trying to find out what you're good at, David Bell, but I think you're a you're a leader of men. I see that when I see you, so I'm not trying to bury you completely. Anyways, what I would like to get back on the track, let's get back into this game. So last night in the Reds line game recap, I saw, talked about how Jason Vargas was pitching. Left-handed junker baller has no business even holding the Reds down for runs or anything. This guy has a high ERA. I don't know what it was yesterday, but he lowered it down to the low fives. He lowered it down to the low fives now that he's playing against the uh, Reds. Uh, It's actually terrible. (laughs) No, I apologize. He lowered his ERA down to 5.75. Reds Nation, I am just mad and laughing and it's just funny that the front office does not care all they care about is that 36 million dollars they made last year which is peanuts it's a joke even when i think about the 36 million dollar profit i go you know that is 36 million in in the black but you guys could have made so much more if you just did if you just did your job correctly anyways so back to this Brian Price had no help. David Bell has a little bit more help because he brought in his own hitting coach and his own. Uh, oh, and he did bring in J.R. House for the third base coach. But we've talked about that. J.R. House shouldn't be the third base coach. If J.R. House wants to be like a part of the team, I don't have a problem with that as being like a extra catching instructor or an assistant hitting coach or something like that to give him a position on the team. But he don't have no. He he has he shouldn't even be a third base coach. You you can't even make it up. Like bring in somebody who knows what they're doing. Like, oh man, from Steve Smith to J.R. House, and J.R. House is nowhere even near Steve Smith's league as far as bad third base coaches. I'm just saying, bring in guys who know what they're doing. Remember last year, Brian Price last year as a as manager. Well, his. He only lasted 21 games, and that was when Dick Williams promoted himself to insulate himself from any uh, uh, any criticism. Remember that? And they promoted Nick Crawl, who actually knows what he's doing. Well, uh, they had moved Billy Hatcher to third base coach. Well, Billy Hatcher's been a first base coach for, like, a long time. And I, while, I, while I understand you're probably like, hey, well, how hard is it to be from a first base coach to a third base coach? I, I just want to tell you that Billy Hatcher is a great guy. You know, World Series hero as far as I'm concerned. Hit like, what, 750 in the 90 World Series. But he's been the first base coach forever. You know, leave him as the first base coach if you want Billy Hatcher on your squad. Bring in an actual third base coach that knows what he's doing. Like, this is like easy stuff. And it's already cost you several runs this year. Anyways, let's get back to this game. Back to Jason Vargas. He can't even make it up, ladies and gentlemen. What did Jason Vargas have as far as a uh, ERA coming into this game? Uh, it wasn't five point seven five coming into the game. I, I, it, you know what? Really, who cares at this point? The guy is really actually horrible, so it really doesn't even matter. Um, anyways, let's get back to this game. So, Jason Vargas. Holds the Reds runless. And I know runless sounds stupid, but this is how stupid this game is. 
And I don't mean the game of baseball. I mean the fact that David Bell was able to scratch and claw a defeat out of the jaws of victory. So, Jason Vargas, who lowered his ERA down to 5.75, doesn't give up a run till the sixth inning when uh, I think it was Suarez uh, goes deep on him. And let me just verify that. I believe it was so. This is where I get discombobulated. Yep, Suarez hits a solo shot in the sixth inning off of Vargas. So that's when the Reds scratched their first run. And I don't mean to go back in time, but uh, the uh, Mets actually scored in the bottom of the third. Uh, Jeff McNeil, who had four hits today, he, he, uh, he, he butted in. That number eight hitter. I mean, just reading this stuff to go over the game recap will just drive you crazy. And anyways, uh, the game was in pretty good control until the, uh, basically they were tied up till the seventh. And that's when David Bell reared his ugly head again. And I'm not calling you ugly, David Bell. I'm just telling you that. You have no idea what you're doing as far as uh, relievers are concerned. It's 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 rather alarming. Anyways, so let's talk about the bottom of the seventh. Todd Frazier's the first batter. Luis Castillo still doing pretty good. He's still throwing 96, 98 in the seventh. Todd Frazier hits his second home run of the year, so that puts the Mets up two to one. And then this is where it gets, this is when, like, I'm not saying that anything goes bad here with Castillo. He gets Ramos to ground out, and then he walks Rosario because he's just playing with him. He just need to attack him, Castillo. How many times have I talked about walks? And then um, Castillo steals second, or Rosario steals second base. And then you just have that eight-hitter Ligares, or whatever his name is, he flies out, sends Rosario to third. And then David Brell, I mean, I understand that Luis Castillo has 99 pitches, but this is the seventh inning, David Bell. You don't need to pull Castillo. I, like, you pulled for no reason you really you really uh, brought him in. Like, <laughs> he brings in Stevenson, and Stevenson does a really good job. He comes in, he strikes out Dominic Smith, who ended up pinch hitting. David Bell, you should have left Castillo in there, and then you could have pitched hit for him later on. But again, David Bell, you play for the inning. You don't play for the game. So then the top of the eighth rolls around. Votto singles. This is when the worst thing happened. Um, Suarez perfectly hit a fly ball, so perfectly shallow that Joey Votto got stuck between first and second, didn't know if they are going to drop it. And then he got doubled off, and then Puig strikes out. That was embarrassing. Votto's my favorite player. I was saying in the Reds Nation number 4192, hey, Joey, I get it. But you're better off being safer than sorry, at least if you go back to uh, first base. It's only one out if the ball drops. If you get stuck out in no man's land, it's a double play. Anyways... Then Robert Stevenson gives up a double to McNeil in the top of in the bottom of the eighth. Then he strikes out Alonzo, and then here comes 
<laughs> Here comes David Bell again. Brandon Nimmo is a really good hitter. He's a good on-base guy. Brandon Nimmo should be a Cincinnati Red. He should have been acquired for Jay Bruce. The Reds medical team would not clear Nimmo's medicals, just like they wouldn't clear Sean Manea's medicals. But they cleared John Lamb, who had every problem known to man on his body, like that game Doctor Doctor or whatever it is. And then Delson Herrera, whose shoulder arm was basically held by a ligament, was cleared, but not Brandon Nimmo. So we could have had we could have had a great center fielder the last two years instead of Billy Hamilton and Brandon Nimmo, and the Reds could have traded Hamilton and got players for him. But no, the Reds front office to the medical staff are horrible at their jobs. Anyways, so back to Nimmo. It worked because Garrett struck out, but it didn't work because you're wasting these guys on two hitters. That's what it doesn't make any sense, David Bell. That's why you're being laughed at by me on Red's line. And that's why everybody in the Red stratosphere of online and in the in the internet is laughing at you. Like I read on Twitter that one person said, "Oh, so Zach Duke can face a right-handed batter but Amir Garrett can't." Gotcha. David Bell you, they're going to make memes about you, man, if you don't get get some self-control. Anyways, so then after Nemo strikes out, uh, Conforto singles, and that scores McNeil. And then, for some unknown reason, Brian Price pulls Amir Garrett for Jared Hughes. I mean, how? I'm going to stop laughing, David Bell. David Bell, you're... You're just a train wreck when it comes to the bullpen. Again, Reds Nation, David Bell is like Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get an appearance, you get a relief appearance, you get a relief appearance, you get a relief appearance. David Bell, you're turning into Oprah, man. Anyways, so then Todd Frazier grounds out, and then they get out of that inning. And then, and then the miracles start happening. The Reds were able to tie it up. There was actually, I think there was, was there two outs? Yeah, there was two outs. Uh, you just can't make up some of the stuff. This is where David Bell, you don't need to pinch hit for Casale against Familia. You don't need to pinch hit Dietrich for Irvin. You're down three to one. Both those guys struck out. Let the guys play the game of baseball as starters. But you know why he did it? Because he never used a reliever. He never used a pitch hitter for a reliever because he went through four of them already. Anyways, so then this is where the miracles start happening. The Wink, Jesse Winker walks. And then Iglesias singles and Winker goes to second. And then he actually makes a pretty good move, I guess. Uh, this is where he brings in an actual pinch hitter for an actual pitcher. Uh, Kyle Farmer, I was really hoping, Farmer, that you would just hit a three-run home run because I think, what, three of your four hits are home runs? I was just hoping that this would be the fourth home run of five hits. But you came through in a big way. You singled in uh, Winker, 
And then David Bell brings in Michael Lorenz in the pinch run for Farmer. You just cannot make this up. I mean, David Bell, what if you needed Lorenz? And he only pitched like, well, no, I take that back. He pitched an inning to third. So it's just funny that you're using him as a pinch runner today. It's more it's more about the entire game rather than just this instance. But then uh, for some unknown reason, Jose Peraza finds a is a blind squirrel, blind squirrel finding a nut. He singles in a glacis, and that actually ties up the game. And then they bring in uh, Zamora, and then this is where I was kind of upset about Joey Votto. There's ducks on the pond. You can drive in a run, and you walk. Joey Votto, you're my favorite player. It's hard for me to even criticize you because a, a walk is just as good as a base hit. But, man, you were up three to nothing. You swung at three and four. You swung at a pitch and fouled it off three and one. Then you walked. But, Joey, this is uh, Mr. Votto. I don't, I, I don't think I can call you Joey. Mr. Votto, this is where you have to drive in that extra run. I know you got Suarez behind you, but he struck out, and uh, he actually got really mad. He threw that bat as hard as he could. It was pretty, uh, I don't want to say impressive, but, you know, they prop- they weren't going to show it because, you know, they don't show those kind of stuff in, uh, to the kids anymore. You know, they don't show the – they'll show a bat flip to piss off everybody in the ballpark on the opposing team, but they won't show uh- – remember when Bo Jackson busted those baseball bats over his knee? Well, they used to show things like that. Suarez threw this bat against the ground like he was trying trying to hurt it. And I apologize for laughing. I don't apologize, but I just want to let you know that I'm trying to refrain from laughing. It's just that David Bell, again, I'll explain it, has crawled and fought and done whatever he could to uh to uh to get the uh to you know what I'm saying? He's clawing the uh, a defeat out of the jaws of victory. See, David Bell, you got me so discombobulated, I'm going crazy. Anyways, so then the Reds have only Shebler on the bench, and they only have Wandy Peralta and Zach Duke in the bullpen. So David Hernandez does a really good job. He strikes out a couple... Uh, batters in the bottom of the ninth gets through that. The Reds don't really do anything, but Dietrich get hits by a Dietrich get, get hits by Dietrich got hit by a pitch, and it was right in the I think the shin too, or the, I don't think it was in the thigh. It was in the lower leg. And um, Winker got on on a filling error, and then Iglesias pops up, so they had a chance to score there. Didn't and then they bring in Russell Iglesias and I don't blame this on Iglesias. The guy had just pitched two innings the night before. Um, you, you, David Bell. Let me let me let me start that over. Three, two, one. David Bell. I would have give you full, full permission to use Wandy Peralta in in the bottom of the tenth. He only pitched a third of an inning. The guy can pitch two or three innings if he's going okay. And you had, I am pretty sure that uh, McNeil is a left-handed uh, batter. Now, I might be wrong, and you can call me wrong. That's fine. 
Can you believe this? This is the most annoying thing. Oh, there it is. Yep, he's a left-handed. I Again, Res Nation, the show's kind of discombobulated or not because David Bell is crazy. I knew Jeff McNeil was a left-handed hitter, so he still brings in Iglesias. He's got, I would not have brought in Duke, David Bell, but I would have darn sure brought in Waldy Peralta. And anyway, McNeil, who has already had three hits in the game, got his fourth hit. The, the rest is just history. I mean, he doubles. and Or no, that was J.D. Davis, I'm sorry. And then McNeil singles, so he's he singles. And then Alonzo, who had already struck out a couple times, he ends up driving a baseball to deep right field to win in it. This show of Redsline... Has a few uh, silences. I apologize. I, I couldn't. I knew McNeil. Again, Dougie Baseball. Doug Gray. I don't have a subscription to Baseball America. And I don't have my computer screens everywhere. So I actually got to look at stuff every now and then. I'm doing this show off the top of my head. And I knew McNeil was a left-handed batter. I just had to pause a little bit. A little little dead zone operation so I could verify that McNeil was a left-handed better. But I already knew he was. But I just felt I it was like one of those things they're like, I know, but then I got to look it up. So we had a little bit of non-even, no, we didn't even have white noise, man. We only had dead silence. So anyway, let's just get to it. The Reds lost 4-3 to three because David Bell cannot manage a bullpen and the Reds are, whether it's a rookie pitcher or an ace or a washed-up Jason Vargas, the Reds' offense is horrible. I think they're last in the majors with, what, 212 batting average? That's horrible. They don't even have a – their on-base percentage is under 300 as a team. Now, I want to go back to one thing before I get to the good things and the bad things. I want you guys to realize what has remained the same. I've had this conversation on Redline before, and I've told you about it. What has remained the same over the last two, three, four years? They've switched managers. They've switched coaches. This year, they even brought in new players. The losing and the way they lose has been the same, and it's from the front office philosophy. I'm just telling you, do you think that Brian Price and both David Bell are going to bat the pitcher eighth? That's not those guys. That's coming from the front office. I don't care who you are. That's why Girardi pulled his name out, and that's why they went with David Bell instead of Brad Ausmus because they want a yes man. And I've talked about this several times. In baseball, you need checks and balances. You need an owner, you need a front office general manager, and you need a field manager and manager. And there needs to be a checks and balances on this thing. And while some people are going to be like, well, you need to leave the manager out of it, I'm talking about like budgetary things. So I'm not talking about bunning or a double switch. So if you're that dense, go over there and sit on your rock and be quiet because I'm not talking about intricacies of the game. I'm talking about budgetary reasons, about checks and balances when I include the owner. Okay? Just calm down. You need to sit over there and just don't speak for a little bit. Okay, thank you. Anyways, so what's the same? It's the front office. The managers have changed. 
Some of the players have changed, but what is the same? The front office. They still have Walt Jockety and still have Dick Williams pulling the strings. When they got rid of Jeff Gropp, the uh, director of scouting, they just when they moved him out, they just uh, well they did the same thing they did with Dick Williams and Walt Jockety. They promoted guys that were underneath Jeff Gropp. So nothing has changed. Nothing has improved, other than they got a better hitting coach in Turner Ward and a better pitching coach in Derek Johnson. I'm not going to say they didn't, but what else is the same? It's just this game of baseball is, I'm not going to say it's volatile. I'm going to say you got to have a lot of things working in the right direction, and the Reds don't. They got a left fielder playing center field who's hitting a buck 35. They, they have a number one draft pick in Phil Irvin, who shouldn't have been a number one draft pick. Bad pick, but he's still a serviceable player. He could at least be hitting 280 with a 330 on base percentage and giving them more production over the last month than Scott Shubler has had. But let's get to the bad things and the good things in reverse, and then I'll talk a little bit about this uh, philosophy on the front office's failures. Okay, so let's get to the good things. Well, I'm going to give the number one good thing to... I just got to give it to Luis Castillo. Six and two-thirds innings, five hits, two runs. Um, the three walks weren't accept- acceptable, Luis Castillo. Seven Ks. Changeup was working very well tonight. Uh, 99 pitches. David Bell should have left you in there. Uh, you're, you don't lead the league in ERA anymore at 1.23, but it went all the way to 1.45, but you're still, you're still on the top of the leaderboard and the top echelon of the uh, ERAs. You might even be number two. I don't know. I'm not looking at my computer screen, Dougie Baseball. Sorry, I don't have my subscription to Baseball America, but I do have a. I, I think I can get on those gifts and send those uh, Wolf of Wall Street uh, gifts on Twitter if you want me to, Dougie Baseball. Okay, let's get back to the good things list. Number two, Suarez. You got the Reds on the board. And the only reason I'm laughing is not at Suarez, because I was thinking about how Vargas held the Reds scoreless for five innings until Suarez in the top of the sixth. Suarez, that's your seventh home run. So number seven has got seven. And let's go to number three on the good things list. Well, I don't even know if you guys deserve a number three on the good things list. I'll just give it to Joey Votto. Two for four. Average is up to 245. Actually, I'm going to give it to Jose Iglesias. Two for five with a run. He's up to 304, so he raised his average, batting average from last night, 297 to 304. Actually, you can just have number four because you're batting 304. Joey, you still get two, number three for being two for four. Congratulations, everybody. So, do y'all want to take a guess who's on the bad things list? Number one on the bad things list. Drum roll, please. David Bell! You shouldn't have pulled Luis Castillo. Number one. Number two on the bad things list. Drum roll, please, engineer. David Bell, your usage of relievers is beyond crazy. And when you have Thom Brenneman 
criticizing you on national TV. You know you're dressing up. But you know what I wanted to say because someone was actually instant messaging me during the game and talking about how Tom Brenneman was saying all that stuff. I was like, hey, I, I, why does it take those guys so long to see it? And I've been seeing it since the first week of the season. That's that's how bad that's how much insulation Cincinnati for the baseball town has. You guys are unaware of self-awareness if that's even a thing. Anyways, David Bell, let me repeat that. 3 2 1. David Bell, you wasted Stevenson Garrett for like two batters apiece. You never pitched hit for Stevenson Garrett or well, you did for use, I guess. You are just Going to run that bullpen in the ground. You got. You're not even going to make it to June first. The way you're going, I said August first. Then I had to move it to the uh, June, July fifteenth. Then I had to move it to July first. Now I'm all the way to June first because you keep using your relievers like your Oprah giving away cars. Anyways, so who gets number three on the bad things list? Hey, can we have a studio audience? Let's. Take a hand of votes who I'm going to uh, put on number three on the bad things list. Uh, yeah, three, two, one. David Bell! You, you had no business using Iglesias in the bottom of the tenth on a tight tight in a tied game when you had, oh, you just had used him the night before for two innings, David Bell. Are you crazy? Like, you... I. David Bell, you're number one, you're number two, and you're number three on the good things list. You win, placed, and showed on the bad things list is what I mean, not on the good things list. You you triple crown, you trifected, you menage a trois, the, num- the bad things list, and I just can't talk about it anymore or I'll blow a blood vessel. So anyways... Where do we go from here? Well, ladies and gentlemen, they're not going very far. They're still going to be at the Little Apple. Or actually, I'm in the Little Apple. They're in the Big Apple still. And it'll be uh, Disco versus DeGrom. Now, if you'll remember a couple game recaps ago, I said that they're going to miss DeGrom. Well, he's making his first start after he missed a few. I had no idea about that. But that still doesn't affect my 99.7 world-famous universally renownedly known of always being right percentage. Anyway, DeGrom, it's just going to be tough. Last year's signing award winner. You're, the only thing you can hope with DeGrom is that this is his first start out and he's rusty, but the way this Reds team is going, he's probably going to strike out 12 or 13 Reds over six innings. They're going to get him out of there probably around 90 pitches, and it's going to be total devastation. And I'm not even being negative. I, I just call balls and balls and strikes, strikes. You know, I'm not the local media. I'm not the Monday morning quarterback Lance McAllister. I'm not John Fay who thinks he's snarky, but he's really not. I'm not Mark Sheldon who just has no choice other than to, like, rosy up the rose-colored glasses on MajorLeagueBaseball.com. And I'm certainly not C. Trent who wouldn't know nothing about baseball if he read any book on baseball or watched a baseball game or even, you know, decided to, you know, you know what? I think about as much of C. Trent as Brandon Phillips does. I'll leave it at that. Anyways, so I'm not the local media. The only people that really have any uh, credibility in local Cincinnati media is Marty Brenneman, number one, who never pulls any punches. 
And I will also say that, God, what's that guy I really like? Mo Egger. He has credibility because he's not afraid to go in the air and, you know, state the obvious. Okay? Anyways, so beside, beyond that, you got some problems in the local Cincinnati media. So, anyways, and, you know, that's, half, that's most of the problem why the Reds are losing. It's really not even Walt Jockety's fault or Dick Williams' fault. It's the media's fault because they won't report on how bad they are at their job. And so, New York, they can run out a manager or a general manager. L.A., same thing. You know what? Dallas-Fort Worth, I lived in that market before. <laughs> it was easy for the media to, to, to put you in power or keep you in power. But in Cincinnati, no. I mean, like, you can just keep losing for 12 years and promoting yourselves and then blaming on the next rookie manager. I mean, isn't it great? Yeah, it's great. Anyways. Oh, I just think about C. Trent Rosenkraus, or however you pronounce his name, winning Sports Writer of the Year of Ohio a couple years ago. I mean, like, was it just his turn, or did you run out of people, or how did that even happen? Good Lord. Just give it to Hal McCoy when you get down to the C. Trent at the bottom of the barrel. No, And no offense, Hal McCoy. I forgot about Hal McCoy. Hal McCoy actually has credibility. I apologize to you personally, Hal McCoy, who I have talked to and interviewed on the phone before and Red's line when we were on uh, radio. So uh, to make a long story short, I feel really bad now because Hal McCoy, really great baseball man, knows everything about the game, and he has all the credibility in the world. He will call a ball a ball and a strike a strike. So... Please, Hal McCoy, I apologize for not putting you up there with Marty Brenneman and Mo Egger because you are the you, you are the real deal, so I will say that. Anyways, so what can the Reds do to improve? Well, fire Dick Williams, number one. Uh, number two, bring in Tim Nairing. Number three, have Tim Nairing bring in whoever he wants to run the scouting department from the Yankees and the Angels and the Rays. And uh, actually, I probably wouldn't bring anybody from the Angels. I was just thinking Billy Epler is a pretty good. Uh, Billy Epler brought some pretty good pieces from the Yankees with him to the Angels. That's why I said the Angels. But anyway, to make a long story short, ah, I said engineer. I thought I told you to edit that stuff out and not let not never let me say make a long story short again. Anyways, so back to this. Uh, Nick Senzel, they're talking about bringing him up uh, this Friday, I guess. Uh, against the Giants, so um, I've already made my piece known that Nick Senzel has no business playing in center field. I've literally told the Reds that if you deploy him in center field, you're asking for him to get hurt. If he gets hurt running against a wall or diving for a ball, don't say I didn't warn you. He needs to be at shortstop where he's going to be most comfortable in the big leagues or third base. And if you want Moose Suarez to shortstop, then put Nick Senzel at shortstop who that was your entire plan last spring training when he worked with Barry Larkin. So people don't even think that I'm like this crazy person out here in uh, Red's country, in Red's nation, saying the crazy things, because I'm not. The Reds are the people that can't stick with their plan. Period. End of story. So Nick Senzel needs to be the shortstop, not in center field. But if you were putting money on it, you better say he's going to be in center field because they don't know what they're doing. They think this is Major League Baseball. The show, clueless as far as the eye can see. 
I apologize to no one. I love the Reds upon upon. Uh, I love the Cincinnati Reds franchise above all else. And you got to remember, even if I own the Reds, the owners of the Reds and the people in the front office are only stewards of our favorite franchise. After we're all dead and gone, the Cincinnati Reds will still be there. So these guys running the team, the owners, they're all just placeholders. The franchise will go on. That's why we're. I'm a fan of the franchise. I'm a fan of the history. I'm a fan of Cincinnati Reds everything. From Johnny Vandermeer to uh, Ted Klazuski. To Fred Hutchinson, rest in peace. He died of cancer at the age of 45. Took the Reds to the 61 World Series versus Mantle and Maris, which is pretty cool. Um, through the Big Red Machine, through the uh, Pete Rose team that Lou Pinnell won a World Series with, Barry Larkin, Hal Morris, Eric Davis, Joe Oliver, Jose Rijo, Jack Armstrong. I can go on and on and on. Billy Hatcher. Paul O'Neill, who should have never been traded for Roberto Kelly. Even through that 95 team, Barry Larkin's MVP. You know, uh, even that 98 team with Greg Vaughn. And uh, then when they brought in Griffey, love that. Adam Duvall, great. Just, they never... I go back to that first year of Griffey. They had over 500,000 more people attend uh, the stadium the first year of Griffey, and then Carl Linder and Jim Bowden didn't do anything to improve the pitching. You could have brought in two ace-ace-ace pitchers for that kind of downstroke and made way more money the next year off of it. But then again, the rest is history. Wasted Griffey's swan, you know, wasted Griffey's, uh, you know, his, you know, from him going 29, 30 years old to his retirement. Wasted him the last half of his career. Anyway, Let's get this thing on the road. What can they do to improve? I've already said it. I mean, they're they're not going to ever improve, even even if they draft all these top picks, which they're which I got to go through and do a top hundred, top two hundred player draft. I got to send it into them. I don't have to, but I'm going to. Uh, anyways, even if they draft all the right players, the philosophy is all wrong. The front office is dictating moves at the at the, at the clubhouse level. You can't really have that. The Yankees have had problems with it ever since they implemented. Um, sabermetrics aren't bad. The numbers, you've got to know how to analyze them and scrutinize them. You can't dictate to your manager how they're going to operate a team. What you've got to do is give your manager and his bench coach, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying, all the tools and all the uh, numbers you can possibly give them so they know what they're doing. Like, for instance... When Kirk Casale is hitting over 300 against right-handers and Tucker Barnhart's hitting uh, less than, I think, 200 against right-handers, you don't pinch hit Tucker Barnhart for Kirk Casale against Familia, okay? It's just, it's, you, that's why I'm laughing, Reds Nation, because you can't make it up how, even when they got all these numbers, they don't even know how to use them. It's just like crazy. Anyways... The Reds are going to bring up Senzel. The big question is, who's going down? Well, how's the roster going to change? Well, I would like him to move down a reliever, but they're not going to do that because David Pell has to have eight of them. In fact, he probably needs nine relievers, but that would be crazy. Crazy. Anyways, so what? And I keep saying anyways. That's my uh, that's my new heir apparent to, uh, to make a long story short. See, if you can't self-deprecate on yourself, 
What can you do? Can't take yourself so seriously. I'm looking at you, Dougie Baseball, with your uh, uh, Baseball America subscription. Back to Red's line. I almost said anyways again. So anyways, that was a joke. But back to Red's line in a serious, serious voice. So what? who's going down? <laughs> I'm going to say it right now. I think they're going to demote Phil Irvin, but they probably need to find a taker for Scott Shebler. Uh, that's all I can tell you. Scott Shebler needs to be is the odd man out, really. He needs to go to AAA. I don't know if he has options. I'd have to look it up. He probably does, but I'm not 100% sure on that. We'd have to go look it up. Anyways, <laughs> there it goes again. I believe that Scott Shepler needs to be traded to the Giants or the Orioles. Uh, Michael Givens is available. I think that would be a fair trade. Hopefully they could get, work the trade to get Austin Hayes back. But even if it was just Shebler for Givens, it would be fine. But I've said that before. I've talked about it. But un- really, until the front office is fixed, th- these problems are going to be here forever. So, I mean, I'm going to jump off Red's line here. I'm not going to sit here all night and debate it. We're already at the 45-minute mark almost anyway. So, from the Little Apple all the way back to Red's country and sitting in the Big Apple tonight, we'll see you tomorrow night, Red's Nation.